As, as Mike said, you're in for a treat. We're all in for a treat this morning. We have uh, the wonderful Rowanna coming to speak to us, which is fantastic. Now, I don't want to embarrass her, but Rowanna's been part of this church pretty much for uh, most of your life? M- yeah, I think uh, since I was about five. So, what since you was about five, so eight years, 20 years. 15 years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> way, way. Uh, so she's been, her family have been part of this church for a, a very, very long time. And uh, 10 years ago, I think, you yeah. joined the staff team? Yeah, so 10 years ago, I came in and started the internship, which you were running. Um, and so I was intern for a year and then joined the staff team for about six years. Fantastic. And then, and then four years ago, yeah. we planted Rowena out to lead the Kennington Vineyard. So Rowena is the senior leader yeah. of the Kennington Vineyard, which has yeah. been going for the last four years from strength to strength. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I went out with, um, by myself without a team. So I think, you know, we've grown in numbers and we've gone from strength to strength. And there's like a whole crew of us who are about, probably about 20 people who would say that uh, Kennington Vineyard is their church. Brilliant. And um, whilst we planted Kennington Vineyard out four years ago, um, we've kind of, Southwest London Vineyard has been sort of behind the scenes supporting Rihanna and the guys there in the church. Um, and we kind of said to her, look, you know, you just carry on doing what you feel like God's calling you to do. And then when you're ready, you come and tell us and we will commission you, right? Which is like where we officially lay hands on her and commission her to kind of go off and be an independent church plant. And we've had that conversation, and we're delighted that um, some of you will, may know that this September marks the 30th anniversary of this church. And so we thought, what better way to celebrate the 30th anniversary of this church than by commissioning the lovely Rowanna and the Kennington Vineyard. So yeah. on uh, Sunday, the 17th of September... We will be gathering here, and we'll probably do lots of other things as well. But uh, one of the key things that we're going to be doing is going to be commissioning Rowanna and the Kennington Vineyard and sending them out. And as part of that, just to kind of prepare you, and we'll be giving you more information over the coming weeks um, and months, but uh, just to prepare you, one of the things that we will want to do uh, is we want to be a, a blessing to Rowanna and the team. We want to do that and express our love and gratitude and support to these guys financially. So on that day, we'll be having a gift day. We'll be raising money and donating money and giving that to the Kennington Vineyard so that they can press into all the things that the Lord is calling them to. So um, it's a real delight. Uh, Rowanna has been part of this church, as I said, for a very long time. Uh, She was on the staff team with us for a number of years. Um, We've been nothing more than always incredibly impressed by her. Um, She is a remarkably godly woman. Uh, She is fiercely independent. She is a (laughs) relentless pursuer. A relentless pursuer, I don't know where she gets that from, um, a relentless pursuer of Jesus and has, you know, when we talk about worship being interrupting our preoccupation with ourselves to attend to the presence of the Almighty, what we've seen particularly over these last four years is Rowena has consistently and continually interrupted her own life to pursue the person of Jesus. And sometimes that's been at great cost to yourself, but you have pursued Jesus and pursued his calling on your life and all of us here are incredibly proud of you we love you dearly so ladies and gentlemen Rana Quirk that's also like oh 
Let's, like, let's lower the bar slightly. That's like quite a high bar for me to try and meet now. So let's just lower expectations for the rest of the half hour. Just settle in, it'll be fine. Um, so I'm just going to read very quickly from a bit from Matthew and a bit from Acts as we um, speak. Ivan asked, we were looking at this uh, series on the distinctives of the vineyard. And as a church planter, I was asked to come and talk to you about how the fact that we are part of this larger movement called the Vineyard Movement, which is a movement that has plants churches that plants churches. And so that's what I'll be talking to you a little bit about today. And then sharing a little bit about what we've been doing in Kennington. And then some of the guys in the team who are here might share some of like their experiences of what that's like. So uh, we're gonna be, I'll just read from Matthew and from Acts briefly, and then I'll pray. So Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the 11 followers went to Galilee. They went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. But some did not believe. Jesus came to them and said, All power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make followers of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do all things I have told you, and I am with you always, even to the very ends of the world. And Acts 1.3. After he had suffered much and died, he showed himself alive in many sure ways for 40 days. He told them many things about the holy nation of God, and as they gathered together with him, he told them, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for what the Father has promised. You've heard me speak of this. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Those who were with him asked, Lord, is this the time for you to give back the nation of Israel to the Jews? He said, it is not for you to know the special days or the special times which the Father has put in his power. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. You will tell about me in the city of Jerusalem and all over the countries of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Can we some vineyards? It seems quite, I was thinking about this and thinking about what to pray for, and it seems uh, like cliche, I guess, like classic, you know, you know, great commissioning and Pentecost, but we had just come out of the season of Pentecost last week. And it is a crucially important thing to think about. This is a moment when, uh, for many of the church, as we know it, kind of came into being. The disciples were anointed through the Holy Spirit and sent out into the world. And so we see Jesus. He appears to them on a mountaintop. He appears to them in an upstairs room, probably much like the one um, they were hiding in when he was crucified. He appears to them. Um, sorry. He appears. Oh. Sorry, sorry. So he appears on the mountaintop, he appears to them in an upstairs room, and for 40 days he teaches them, and he talks to them, and he reassures them, and they're full of fear and confusion, and they don't really know what they're doing or what this thing looks like, and they don't still understand what he's doing. They're still saying, when are you going to come and give back Israel to the Jews? And yet he just says, wait and be patient, my presence is coming, and in that you will go out and you will tell people who I am, and you will baptize people and teach them my ways. And so they wait upstairs, in this upstairs room again, again full of fear and confusion, and the Holy Spirit falls in power and in this like gloriously loud way, like in a way that says fire over their heads, and they start speaking in tongues and languages, and these fishermen from the backwaters of Galilee start speaking a language they could never have known without the wisdom and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. 
And from the small upstairs room, they pour out onto the streets amidst people who've gathered there for festival from all parts of um, the area and from further away. And they start telling people of God. And Peter, this scared man who had hidden and denied Jesus, is suddenly filled with boldness and starts telling people of who Jesus was. And thousands of people give their lives to God, and they start to follow him. They start to meet in small other rooms and other houses and in the temple courts. And they have a common purse, and they start to fulfill the duties of the temple that the temple was meant to do and hadn't done. And so they start to do those things because they are the new temple. They are the new expression of church and the Holy Spirit when they're gathered together. And miracles happen, and ordinary things happen, and they share meals, and they break bread, and people are added to their number daily. And this is the beginning. And so they go out into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth until we find ourselves here, thousands of years later and thousands of miles later, at those very ends of the earth. Gentiles um, who have the Holy Spirit in them so that Jesus is no longer just Emmanuel with us, but the Holy Spirit and God in us and through us. And that is how the church kind of began. The church began in a small room with a couple of people, scared and slightly unsure of what they were doing, on their face, praying and seeking God, and filled with the Holy Spirit, poured out onto the streets. That is, as Neil said, my story. is probably the story, I guess, of many of us would say that that's how we end up here, because a small group of people got in a room somewhere and desperately seeked the Lord, and from that, poured out onto the streets into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And whether that was disciples or pilgrims and saints or uh, fat Hawaiian guys in like, Hawaiian shirts in California or for us some very proper English people in M&S cords and pearls, it was nothing but small people, small groups of people in little rooms doing the same things over and over again that led to churches being planted. And so why did this happen? It is amazing that we um, believe that we are part of this epic story of God. That God, who is this trinity um, of love and compassion and dance. Do you know Simon Ponsonby? He's this fantastic, I love this picture he has. He talks about the divine dance. Have you heard? He talks about how the Greek theologians, this is like the only Greek we'll get in the sermon, so um, talk about the word they use the Trinity was perichoresis, which comes from peri, meaning around and surround, where we get like perimeter from, and choresis, uh, which we get from choreography. And it was used to describe the way actors and dancers would interact with one another. And so he has paints this picture, the Greek theologians, that you had the Father loving the Son, who loved the Holy Spirit, who loved the Father, who loved Jesus, who loved the Father, who loved the Holy Spirit, in this ongoing circle and dance of love. And there's this beautiful picture. He talks about the picture of Matisse, a painting called The Dance. And as these dancers are circling one another, there's one dancer with his hand outstretched as if to call people into that dance. And I love that picture. I love that picture that the Trinity is this like swirling dance um, of love that is constantly drawing people and inviting into this divine dance continuously. And so we have this picture of the Trinity that is dancing and expanding in this divine dance. And God, who is all-powerful and mysterious and loving, 
is constantly restoring and redeeming and recreating the world, which happened at the crux of Jesus through the crucifixion and will go on into eternity when there is a new creation and a new world and a new heaven together. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that recreation and restoration and redeeming. My story, as Neil said, um, started for me in this church when I was five years old. And it started because two very English proper people went to California to find out and chase chase the sense of something else, this Holy Spirit presence, this love, this adoration, this wanting to be part of this divine dance and something bigger, this restoration, to be part of this bigger story. And uh, started up uh, the South of Sunday Vineyard in a sitting room in Wimbledon Chase, and then a pub in Rains Park, and then a high school in Rains Park. And one member of that church um, had a dedication, much like today. And she uh, invited my parents to go. And my mum was kind of seeking, was trying out different Catholic churches, having brought up a Catholic. And my dad also having brought up a Catholic, but very much not seeking church or not interested in Christians, and very much more on the argumentative side of uh, questioning, perhaps. Came because, you know, it's a dedication, and so you've got to do what you've got to do and turn up. And in that moment, they came to church and encountered the Holy Spirit, they encountered God, they encountered this amazing divine dance and were caught up in it. And it made no sense to them and they kept coming back for weeks and weeks until they made a decision to be part of this. To step forward and uh, want to follow Jesus and be part of this because someone invited them into a space where they could encounter God. To small people coming out of a sitting room in Wimbledon Chase invited my parents here, and it completely changed the path of our lives forever. Me and my sisters were in Vineyard Kids, and that's where we encountered God. And I can think of people in our family's lives who have been, lives have been obviously changed in a way that we can like calculate, like, oh, they became a Christian, or they started coming to church. But there are thousands of ways in which their lives and my parents and our families, I think, speaks of much more ordinary miracles of people who've loved um, through having been acquaintances and plumbers into being friends, into being, um, going to weddings, loving people through death and grief and funerals and life, who chose to make um, choices so that neighbors became from, from acquaintances to friends. Very ordinary miracles of generosity and sharing and breaking of bread and of loving people. That was of the kingdom. It was a sense of restoring relationships, redeeming broken trusts, recreating new friendships and neighborhoods. They were very, very doing ordinary things, but were completely transforming neighborhoods and lives at the same time. So also, my parents would never have gone to church if church looked the way they thought church should have looked. They came into this very weird school, much like this one, and they were served donuts, slightly less fancy. It was more Tesco and the sugar and the jam version. We've upgraded to Krispy Kreme. And it was just weird enough that it was okay. It wasn't the establishment church they knew. It wasn't the hierarchical church of the Catholic church. And it was still the same God, but the dressing was different. 
that some of the subcultural clutter that they grew up with had been removed that allowed them to see past um, all the things that got in the way and see Jesus and encounter God. It was a church that spoke to them where they were at at that time for that generation that meant they could finally see Jesus and God beyond everything they grew up with and all their baggage. And I think that's why, um, in part, I am re-church planting what we're trying to do in Kennington. We are trying to work out how do we plant and build a church in a community that removes some of the Christian clutter or the subculture that people struggle with in a way that helps give language and understanding to people to encounter God, already really to explain what they're already encountering. Because the Holy Spirit is always at work and moving in people. And we put our hands to what he is doing. Um, or she is doing. Or they are doing. So I believe that what we're trying to do in Kennington is look at how do we reach a very urban, London-focused uh, congregation or demographic of people, particularly in the busyness of life and a particularly uh, young professional demographic where we are. Uh, it's, very, it's a very young demographic. And how do we plant and build a church which really speaks to those people who helps them understand who God is, that they are being invited into this divine dance, that they are part of a larger story of redemption and recreation and restoration that God has for them in their lives and for the family and for their city. I've been thinking about this a lot because people give you books when you're church planting around um, business, like business strategy or how to be a better leader or... Um, growth strategy, and those are all really great, but I really struggle with that. It's not my, how I think. And actually what I've been thinking about is that I really love like Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and Lena Dunham and Mindy Kaling, who are these like female showrunners who uh, run programs like Girls or The Mindy Project or Parks and Recreation or, um, what's, what's Tina Fey's one? No. Um, 30 Rock. And so there are these great TV shows, and I like to think of church planting more like that, that I get to, I have this picture of what the world could be, of what Kennington could look like in the kingdom of God, what people's lives could look like. And I get to kind of write a story, we've got to try and make this happen, and you get to call people, and you get to gather this team of people who are like actors and writers and set designers and... Um, editors and foley artists and people bring all their talents and their giftings and they help tell the story and they make it even better and more vivid and alive than it was and as a church and as a church form that's what we're doing we're like come and hear this story that is different from all that you might know let us tell you a story for this city and for your life and for the life of london the people around you that might be a different story to the one that you hear and help us build it and make it real like come and be part of this recreation and restoration and redemption of the world and I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. Like, that sounds doable. I, can't, I don't want to have to sell Jesus to people. I don't want to say that Jesus is like your go-to way to be happy in life because I don't think that it's true. I don't want to sell people that this is um, come and get an insurance policy for afterlife. We're inviting people into divine dance. We're inviting people to build and be part of a greater story um, than the one that they might know or that they hear. So uh, what does that look like for us in Kennington? What does it look like for what we're trying to do? How is God, who is all-loving, great and mysterious, making things new? How can we put our hand 
to what he is doing? How can we bring life and life to the fullness to Kennington? Um, and so I think over the last four years in planting, I went out with a very set view of what leading a church would look like or what a church should look like or what the end product should be. And that's taken a lot of um, breaking that apart and destructuring that and just trying to work out what does it look like, sorry, this is really clicky, um, to be faithful to what God is calling us to. Is it my earrings? Why did no one tell me? I'm not trying to what it is. All right, there we go. Let's get my shoes off in a minute. Let's get really comfortable. Um, trying to work out what it is God is calling us to. We are not a big church. We're a church of 20 people, and on a Sunday, coming like in London, if you come once a month, that's regular. So we might have 10 to 15 people who gather together. But actually, our focus is not about numbers, and it's not about even services. Um, but it is about how can we can be community who is seeking constantly after Jesus and moving towards him, and how can we bring the kingdom of God into every place that we are, into our workplaces, into our relationships, into our neighborhoods, into our streets, and see the kingdom of God come. And um, we're not particularly care about how we, where we meet. Um, it's, although weirdly, we've just moved to a new venue, and everyone's, everyone in the vineyard talks about find yourself a warehouse with car parking. And I was like, we're never going to find a warehouse with car parking in London. And that's zone one. But weirdly, we have a car, we're meeting in a warehouse with car parking. It feels like we're like totally vineyard right now. Um, although the warehouse we meet is used as a community space. Um, it, has, um, it used to be an old fire engine. So there's like fire engines in there and like a Lego fireman in the minute because they're doing like a pop-up fire engine museum. There's people doing still life workshops. There's people running children's imagination projects. And then in the side room, we're also there. And it's really, really weird and it's really messy because every week we turn up and the room looks completely different and there's random stuff in there. And it feels like we're doing improv church every week. So it's just like, okay, there's giant yellow pods in the room. Yes, and we'll do prophecy pods. And someone has to sit in the, in the pod and we'll do prophecy. That was something we did one week. Or... Um, we met, and there was an immigration museum music show happening, so we couldn't actually hear ourselves. So um, we broke into small groups, and we talked about our lives and the way we want to see the kingdom of God come. And then we did worship at the end when the museum exhibition was setting down, and we were just doing worship. And I suddenly noticed the door had opened, and I was like, oh, that's weird. I'm pretty sure I closed it. I don't want to interrupt what they were doing. And also, we, bro- we blockaded one of the doors at one point to try and block out some of the sound, which had failed. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And one of our team, Lucy, went over to the door, and she found um, like three, like two girls and a guy in their late teens, early 20s, um, who propped open the door. And they were just like, we just wanted to say, this is so beautiful. We just heard the singing, and it was so beautiful. Which I, I also have to disagree with, because that's just the Lord, because it's not always that beautiful. <laughs> like, and, so, um, and so they said that we've been in, we've been in um, London for seven months, and we've seen nothing of church in those seven months. And um, they were asking us some questions about would they be welcome, and could they come and be part of things, and they just kind of stood by the doorway and stood there. And I just thought, we've been meeting in this like, very small room, in a community center, kind of through a gate and behind a door and another door. And in the midst of the mess and the improvisation that we have to do on a Sunday, 
I'm so happy we're in this space, because it feels like we're in the midst of the community marketplace where different things are happening, and I'd rather it be messy and slightly weird and not what people expect and have three teenagers outside the door and try and hear something of God and see something of church in the midst of where they are than it know what it's going to look like every week. And that's really hard for me because I want it to look really good because um, in the midst of the chaos, sometimes you want a little bit, I want a little bit of control. But um, it's amazing to see what the Holy Spirit is doing in the midst of our very shabby, slightly weird venue. For us, we meet twice a month uh, for a communion service, and we sit around a table, and we discuss things, and we make room for silence and meditation. We find most people that we engage with are, we say they're spiritual, but not religious, or they meditate, or they're interested in, they read tarot cards, or they're like, God is all one thing. And so trying to talk about where people are, where they're spiritual, to help them engage and encounter God and the Holy Spirit in the midst of that. And so each week we kind of do discussion and talks, and we try and put something into practice. We try and give, we try and do an exercise or a practice that allows people to have something we can take through the rest of the week. So that worship on a Sunday is the same as on a Tuesday, and Sundays are not crawling into church on a Sunday desperate to meet with God, but we're trying to help people meet with God and encounter him throughout the day and throughout their weeks. And sometimes that looks like us writing laments, and sometimes that looks like breathing prayer, sometimes that looks like um, doing stuff, doing challenges about neighboring. Sometimes it looks like silence and meditation and making room for stillness. And um, our congregation is really diverse. We have a lot of artists, a lot of people in theater, people doing shift work, young professionals who travel a lot for work. So we're like, how do you engage and encourage people where they're at, who feel they're part of community, but aren't present to it all the time? And so over Easter, as we entered into Lent, we wanted to go through the season of Lent together. And so we did like a little podcast that people could listen to. And Joanna did a great job. And she had people record. It was all the voices of everyone from our church. And we read, a, there was a prayer, there was a reading, and then there was a thought for the day kind of a thing or a meditation to do um, each week. And like some of our, one of the girls who works in a coffee shop was just like, she was having a really tough time. And she hadn't been able to come to us because of the way her shifts were working. And she's just like, I just listened to that podcast and on my lunch break, and I did it, and the voices I knew and the people that I knew, and it just gave me a little bit of space and prayer to encounter God just in the midst of my break at the coffee shop until she came kind of back a couple of weeks later and we could catch up with her. So we're trying to work out what does it look like to disciple people and help people in the midst of the mess of London life. But interesting, we've done things like uh, gathering events, like... Uh, open mic nights and storytelling nights and uh, those have all been great but weirdly the place we most meet people is when we are around a table feeding is always great we meet in a public venue on Sundays not because we're big but because people in London don't often go to people's houses like it's a really weird thing to go into someone's house and yet at the same time it's such a treat so we do once a month supper in my flat so we'd like a supper club and that will have like 17 people around the table and for us that's church that's no less church than what we do on a service because people are having conversations and encountering people and breaking bread and uh, someone brought her flatmate to church and we talked we started talking about dreams and what dreams meant and then we started talking about the bigger she was like where do you she's like i have this sense of something bigger sometimes when i'm surrounded by people these moments where i feel like i'm part of a larger thing and so we're talking about that. I was like, what does that feel like? And she says, it's like there's this big weight of love that just sits on me. And I just feel so connected to everything else, this greater sense of purpose. And you're like, this is an amazing conversation. 
And yet these are conversations that don't always happen on Sundays or in small groups, but happen like after a couple of glasses of red wine and some broken bread and some cheese around a table on a Sunday evening. And the other way we gather people often is when we're out doing stuff in our community. We don't, there's so much to do in London. There's no point us really putting on events, because like, why compete with like, the greatest city in the world for like, fantastic things to do and try and compete? So we go and join in what's happening, and we go and serve at charities that are already there. So we support Food Bank, and then there's something called the Rose Project, which we go work at, um, which is a night shelter. And, that is def and the, the number of people who we've seen bring friends who love that, because they want to see faith that is active and making an impact in their communities. And people don't really want to sit around in a sitting room and eat pizza with someone who they don't really know, but they would love to pick up a paintbrush and paint next to someone and have a conversation, and then maybe go to the pub afterwards. And so it's weird that our serving, or what would be seen as like compassion projects for us, are like what sometimes people would call gathering events. Does that make sense? Like for us, that's where we, meet, we most interact with people in our communities, is when we're out and about. So it's going to be a little bit of a flavor. And so um, one thing we did this year, we did a weekend away, which was amazing. We were in teepees and yurts, which was like so much fun. And um, we did a whole session on like your journey of faith. And we had people come who were uh, Catholic, who were trying to find communities. We had people in the church who'd been Christians for decades. We had people who were brand new Christians. We had people who come and were questioning faith and church. We had people who were in the midst of grief and doubts. Um, we had one girl bring her girlfriend who's like really loves every time she encounters God she's just completely undone and yet she's like I hate all the language of church and I hate what church is and so I can never call myself a Christian but every time we meet together and pray for her she's in pieces on the floor and just overwhelmed by the presence of God we had um, someone brought their boyfriend who is kind of trying to work through what he believes and he's always just like he works for Christian charity and he's like, I really don't like Christians. He's like, but those vineyard Christians are different. And I was like, yeah. So I think it was the fact we had our own, our own keg, probably. He's, he's up for a bit of a dance and a party, which there always is at Kennington. But it's amazing to see all these different people coming and people feeling safe to bring their friends who are seeking and searching, trying to work out what does faith look like in of London in this day and age? What could that be? Um, so I, like, I'm always the worst person to talk about Kennington because I never know. It feels really weird to say what we're doing and what it's like. And also the church is not a place that we go or a time slot. It is the people. So if I was going to talk about Kennington, it would only seem right that you hear from some of the people who are part of it who might give you a bit of a flavour of it. So if we could welcome up Joanna, Bill, Bryony and Josh. Morning. Hiya. I'm Joanna. Um, so uh, I used, 10 years ago, I actually joined this church um, about this time of year as well. So, uh, and because God told me when I was 21 to come here when I moved to London, which I had no intention of doing. And uh, this was like the most welcoming place, and that's how I ended up part of the vineyard. Um, and... Yeah, when Ro said that she was going to plant, I was like, I am not doing that. I don't really 
believe in standing on street corners and talking to strangers with tracts. That feels like selling something, and I, I'm, I'm not interested in that. Uh, I sing songs and I tell stories and I ask inappropriate questions and I eat too much food. And I was like, those are not skills for church planting. <laughs> As it turns out, they are. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I I've definitely I felt agitated in myself that there should be something more, that more than just like sitting on a Sunday and singing songs, that actually that we have something, God is so mysterious and big, he, like there has to be like some kind of breakout into the streets, like what does that look like, and not, and more than just mm. praying a prayer third row back, fifth seat in like something like transformative in, in people's <laughs> lives uh, I think that's you um, <laughs> yeah, transformative in people's lives and transforming neighbourhoods and communities and things like that um, I was agitated about these things. I wanted more because otherwise this would be so boring to do this for the rest of your life. And a couple of summers ago, Rowanna, who uh, I... So when she said she was going to plan, I wasn't going to join her. But I went to all of the boring things. So she would like throw parties and stuff like that. And I didn't go to any of those. But I thought, well, I'll go and do the prayer walks because no one will turn up for those. They weren't boring prayer walks. No, they weren't. They were great. They were really good. But you know, like... You know, if it's a choice between a roller disco and a prayer walk, most people are going to go to the roller disco. And I love Rowana. She is a good friend of mine. And I wanted to be supportive. So I prayed those streets even before I knew I was going to be there. Um, Anyway, and we talked a lot. Mm -hmm. And a couple of summers ago, she was telling me about this idea of planting kingdom rather than churches. She was like talking, talking, talking about it. And I went, I really wish I could be part of a church like that. And then we were both like, you could be part of a church like that. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you guys aren't doing that either. But do you know what I mean? Like, I I felt this calling. And then I went home because I joined Balaam Vineyard by that point uh, as part of this agitation looking for something. And um, Steve and Viv, we were having a gin and tonic one evening and Viv said to me, I had this dream and I really feel like you should join Kennington Vineyard. And I was like, that's so weird because I really want to and I didn't know how to bring it up with you. So I went. (laughs) And um, it's small and really like imperfect. I think one of the first like gatherings we were in Rose Flat and we had the least slick worship I've ever experienced in my life. And also I had (laughs) one of the most profound encounters with the Holy Spirit in that moment. It was amazing. And I like, because it's not about us and it's not about our glory. Um, Last year on Mother's Day, we sang this song about God being our mother as well as our father. And... uh, I was leading worship. Rowana was speaking. We had some new people come. So when new people come, we're always doing something weird. And, <laughs> and you could just see them kind of going, are they, are they together? <laughs> like, we're not. We're not. Um, and like, what is this church? It's like, God, God is our mother. Is this, her- is this heresy? Or like, we're not quite sure what this makes. But we're kind of experimental, you know. So it's all good. Um, yeah, I just think, what, does it, what is it like to be part of a like urban SWAT team, uh, small, nimble, experimental, trying new things, trying our best, not just to um, be, good, be good Christians, but to really bring something profound, uh, to show people something, invite people into the mystery of who God is, which is like an, etern- an eternal endeavor to understand and know him. Um, 
I've written here, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to you be the glory. Hi, I'm going to read something from uh, another person who comes to the church called Afwa. She's lovely. um, I I love this. I first visited Kennington Vineyard during my gap church year of 2016. I recently had left the church I'd been for at nearly, for nine years, having questioned whether I still felt part of the community. So she was um, disillusioned with church. Some of us have been through that at various stages and questioning whether she wanted to go back at all. She particularly liked her Sunday morning lions. Um, and so she was not so keen on going back to church. So... Uh, She came back a couple of times to church, and in the end, she decided that she really liked the church because they remembered her name, which I thought was really sweet. They treated her like a friend and someone that they had met more than once. So the next bit, this is the, the bit I think that's really fascinating and really clever. She says, six months later, and I'm still here. Why? Going to church had become a chore for me. I don't necessarily enjoy it, but I felt it was something that had to be done. In Kennington Vineyard, I found community where people are accepted and welcomed. I found opportunities to serve in the local community, which are fun and don't leave you feeling drained. I found a place where I could share things and be honest about some of my faith struggles in a safe space. I found a group of people who see the need to challenge comfort and complacency in seeing God's kingdom come into our lives. And that's really what Rowana does, to be fair. To our local areas, friends and family, and being actively willing to explore what that means and looks like practically. Always like a bit of practicality myself. I found that olive bread and apple juice is not a great communion combination. (laughs) like that. I agree with her. I found not knowing what each Sunday holds whilst enjoying the elements of familiarity coupled with the randomness and being open to try new things. I found people that I enjoy hanging out with, whether it's at one of Joanna's uh, 10 by 9 storytelling events, Sunday supper, or sharing a pint on the Thames' dock. As a church plant, it's easy to get obsessed with growth in numbers. Having moved to a larger venue, no doubt the church will grow, which is very exciting. (laughs) I look forward to meeting people who cross our paths, whether temporarily or more long-term. But ultimately, it's not about numbers. It's not about what we do. It's about exploring what it means to be the sons, daughters, and disciples of God's kingdom that we were created to be. I'm enjoying exploring this at Kennington Vineyard, and I'm grateful for this gem. So that's from Afwa. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm going to be quick, actually. Um, My name is Josh. I'm from Northern Ireland. Hashtag DEP, you're welcome. Um, (laughs) Just kidding. Didn't want to make this political at all. 
Um, although it's been an interesting twist. So moving on to counting, the <laughs> take this away. Um, community in, in London is actually quite difficult uh, coming from Northern Ireland. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Zone 2 or, God forbid, Zone 1, but it's, very, it's a very different and uh, difficult place to actually build community. Um, and a lot of us kind of have neighbors, but we don't know them or speak to them, and we work in different places, and everybody is um, super transitional, as Ro mentioned before. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is um, mission in the workplace. So I think I still fit into the category of young professional, I hope. And um, what I do a lot of at work is just exist and try to create space for God to fill and, and therefore um, try to yeah, create a place of encounter for my colleagues. And one thing that we have been focused on is about not only being a missional community ourselves, but also supporting each one of us individually in the lives that we have outside of like the church walls. So for me, that's um, working in my workplace for other people. Um, it's the, the friends that they have, the musicians that they play with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and one of the things that we did, which was actually like really important to me, was we went into each other's context to pray for the people and the places that you spend most of your working day. So um, we went and prayed in my office, for example. We went to somewhere else in London to pray for like the fashion industry which I'm clearly not a part of um, and we went to like some charity non-profit people like we went and prayed for them as well so it was really cool it was quite um quite an encouraging thing to know that my church community is behind me and supporting me in sort of my own sort of personal mission as well as the stuff that we do together which is eating and drinking <laughs> well. Uh, good morning. So Brian and I have been like the, the Southwest outcrop for the last two years, uh, supporting Kennington, and which which has meant um, that we come here on a Sunday morning, and then we've gone to Kennington in the early evening, which has meant at the end of a Sunday we're almost we're glowing with holiness. <laughs> we, um, but and we've able to have the best of both worlds. Uh, you know, this church is 30 years old. We've been going for 28 years. So we're pretty, we wanted to take what we'd learned here, uh, the Holy Spirit, friendship of community, and mission and service, and see that transplant into a very different soil of Kennington. Kennington is church gym, but not as we know it. It, it is a very different setup, and that's half the fun which is if I look at uh, one of the great things Rana did, we did Good Friday, Stations of the Cross, where each station of the cross was a different building you know, around Kennington. So that we did the trial of Christ took place, we all prayed in front of the MI5 building. <laughs> uh, and then the, when uh, Peter, the, the cockerel crows three times behind Peter, we were at the Dean City Farm with Vauxhall the chickens. City Farm. Which one? Vauxhall City Farm. But I knew heresy would creep in at some time. <laughs> Uh, and then the other thing that I thought was fantastic, we, having the best of both worlds, we've been able to have our cake and eat it because in September, early October, we had the Hothorpe leadership event, which is fantastic, which meant the, we could hang out with friends and drink in the evenings. And then the next weekend, we did the Kennington leadership, uh, which involved us sleeping in a converted gypsy caravan uh, and worshipping in a giant teepee amid the smoke and uh, everyone sleeping in yurts which was definitely um, a, a gear change. The, the, the big thing for us has been, I thought that when we went to help and support Kennington, that text, which is, 
generation will speak unto generation. About the glory of the Lord. Um, I thought we'd be doing the talking. And it's been the exact opposite. The thing that's been incredibly inspiring, engaging, is seeing a generation uh, taking church to the streets in Kennington. And that's really what's been inspiring for us. Mm. Uh, Thank and you. Um, drop mic. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So I'll wrap up quickly. So we want to celebrate what is brilliant about Kennington and the city and be part of it, but also live a counter-narrative that is like a counter-narrative to what is destructive or life-taking. How can we live and the values that we have speak of something different for London? We think of ourselves as a village church in the city. We want to know what, what to see God redeem, recreate and restore our lives, for we are part of the kingdom of God our friends, our neighbours, and our, most importantly, the city. So if London is lonely, we want to be a place where we are full of welcome, people are known, and part of a community. If London can be greedy and says you can have everything, we want to offer radical generosity and simplicity. If London is frantic and busy, we are called to offer space and quiet and peace. We say there is rest and offer room for people to encounter God. If London only cares what you do and what you produce, we want to help you find who you are called to be and find your identity in God and know that you are loved regardless of all things. It's not a complete manifesto, and we're in the midst of building it into more and finding exploring more with God. But we do want to invite all those we meet and even for ourselves to the fullness of Christ, to have our minds, bodies, hearts, homes, streets, work, play, enemies, neighbors, families repaired and restored. We're entering into a new season for us, which is really exciting. And think about what is God calling us into? What are the next redemptive steps for the people around us towards Jesus? Who are we telling this big story to and who are we inviting to be a part of making it? What does social and economic transformation look like in Kennington? If the kingdom comes in the physical as well as the spiritual, in what ways are the economics, architecture and design, social space, safety and social well-being um, being impacted as they're all parts of the kingdom of God? We want to love our city into life. The city doesn't exist to help us grow our church, but we exist to bring life to the city. That is the end of my manifesto.